0: Good morning church, how are you guys doing? It is great seeing all of you guys. And, um, you know, we, we really wanted to share with you guys um, a little bit in that announcement from Ellen of what Life Essentials, what that ministry is, because sometimes we talk about things and we assume everybody knows. Um, and there's, you know, we've had new families who've been a part of this church, even in this year of COVID, new, new people watching online. And uh, so we want to let them know about the powerful uh, ministry that Life Essentials is, which is impacting um, our surrounding communities. And um, also, I, if you want to give to Life Essentials, I want to let you know there's no- another Another easy way to do it, Um, if you do online giving and you go online, you can uh, uh, click the little tab and there's an option to, to donate uh, to the Life Essentials Ministry specifically as well. So I want to let you know that. Uh, but welcome. If you haven't been here before or if this is your first time back in a while, we're in the midst of this series called Adam and Eve where we've been focusing on the challenges faced by men and women. And hopefully along the way in this process, we've been learning how to love one another better. And we started this series five weeks ago and we looked at two big lies that many people People believe. And those lies are I'm not good enough and I'm not worth the pursuit. And we com- combated these lies by looking at truth from the Word of God. And we found in the Word of God that, that we can understand and we can grasp this powerful, powerful truth that in Christ we are priceless and that Jesus' sacrifice is proof that we are worth the pursuit. And then in week three, we focused in on our singles. And we asked five questions that every single person should ask. And there was application in that for our single women, for married couples, uh, for parents, and for all the men. And then last week, Pastor Amanda, our preschool pastor and the director of our Lighthouse Daycare during the week, she shared another powerful message with us about parenting. And so if you missed any of that, um, I encourage you to go to our YouTube page at South Portland Naz, and you can check out and you can watch those previous messages. Now, today's message is entitled Four Challenges for a Happily Ever After. And some of you who have been here for a while, you might be thinking, well, pastor, didn't you tell us a few weeks ago that happily ever after is just a myth? Which is true. That is true. And in fact, some people compare marriage to a deck of cards. They say in the beginning, all you need is two hearts and a diamond. But by the end, you wish you had a club and a spade. Now... Hopefully, nobody is at that point in their marriage where they're looking to club their spouse and bury him in the backyard. If that is you, please don't raise your hand this morning. But if you didn't know this yet, here's the deal. Marriage can be the most rewarding relationship with another human being that you can possibly have in your entire life. But it also requires a ton of work and a ton of effort. None of us are promised a life free of storms. So that's not what we're talking about today when we say happily ever after. We're not talking about the myth of happily ever after. What we're talking about is the assertion in scripture that your best days are not behind you. They're in front of you. That the God of this universe, the God who created you, has incredible plans for your life and for your eternity. So before we jump into this message today and begin to kind of unpack this, this incredible truth, I want us to first open up in a word of prayer this morning. So can we do that, church? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we just pray today that that whatever is going on in our lives and our you know our situations, Father, as we walked in here today or as we, you know, turned on YouTube today to watch this this message, Lord God, I just pray that you would just kind of clear that. You would give us kind of peace in our minds and our hearts and and have us ready to receive Whatever it is that that you want to present to us today, Father God, and and may we be a people who are willing to take take the truth of your word, Lord God, and, and actually apply it into our lives so that we can move from the smaller story of us to the greater story that you have for us in our future. We pray this in Jesus' name today. Amen. Now, as many of you guys know, I am the father of five awesome kids. I have three beautiful girls, ages 18, 16, and almost 13. And I have two awesome boys who are almost 10 and 2. They'll be turning 10 and 2 this summer. And I'm so thankful for my boys because before they came along, I was the only man in a household with four women. And there were certainly some challenges to that, Like I got voted, outvoted for, you know, every television show and movie that was picked all the time. And, and living all those years with three little girls, I began to become an expert in some things that I, I never really thought I would be an expert on. For example, Disney princesses. Now, don't judge me, men, especially you single guys, because it might happen to you someday, too, where this little girl comes into your life and just rocks your heart and changes you, and you would be willing to do anything for her, including wearing a pink tutu and having a tea party and watching a princess movie. And my three girls have all been through the stage where they loved Disney princesses, whether it was Tangled or or Frozen or whatever it might be. And one of their most favorite places in the world World is Disney World in Orlando, Florida. And, and so we try to go as a family, um, every couple years at least we try to go. And, and when we went, you know, one of the first times several years ago when the girls were younger, we went to Disney and it was like a dream come true for them because they got to go to the Boutique. And no, I didn't just cuss right now. That is a real place in Disney where little girls can go and they can get their hair done up and they can get princess dresses and they can be turned into a princess. Here's a picture of my girls the first time they went to the Bibbidi-Bobbidi Boutique, okay? And they had these beautiful princess dresses and everywhere they went in the park, people would look at them and they would say, hello, princess. Welcome, princess. Come right this way, princess. And then they got to actually meet the Disney princesses and they all had these little autograph books with them and they would go stand in line and they would meet the princess and get their their books signed. And my girls were like on cloud nine during that trip because they love Disney princesses. Why? Because of happily ever after. See, they can handle an evil queen with a poison apple. They can handle a diabolical wizard named Jafar or a large octopus lady named Ursula. Even a wicked sorceress named Maleficent. Why? Because they know at the end of the story, good will triumph over evil and there will be a happily ever after. And see, that's the incredible beauty found in the great big story that God is writing It's a story that began before time began, and it's a story that will never end. And God has allowed each of us to step out of our smaller, finite story into his greater, infinite story with the desire that we would be able to have a greater and more abundant life beyond our imagination. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes, I love this, in 1 Corinthians 2.9. Here's what Paul writes about this incredible truth. He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. According to those words from the Apostle Paul, God says, your best days are ahead of you. They are not behind you. In other words, if we were able to plug into God's vision for our life, if we could see the plans he has for us, our future, our eternity, it would blow our minds. And God is speaking to some of you today. He's saying, don't give up. Step out of the smaller story of you into the bigger story of me. You're on the verge of a breakthrough. So how do you prepare yourself for a blessing from God? How do you step in to his greater story Today I want to share with you four challenges that can prevent us from receiving the blessing of God in our life. And also we're going to unpack four truths to combat these challenges so so that we can really experience a happily ever after. And, And all four of these challenges really deal with one kind of overarching central issue. And that issue is this, not trusting God. In fact, th- this is an, an important truth that I want everyone to understand today. So, we're, g- we're going to put it up on the screens, but I encourage you, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you've got your phone with you, you might want to type this in your phone. Here is this critically important truth that we need to understand any relationship not built on trust will falter. Any relationship not built on trust is going to fail. It's just a big universal truth. Whether you're talking about a friendship, A relationship at work, whether you're talking about a marriage relationship, or even a person's relationship with God. Any relationship not built on trust is going to falter. So with that in mind, let's now unpack the four biggest challenges for a happily ever after with God. Challenge number one is this, spiritual adultery. Spiritual adultery. Now that kind of sounds pretty harsh, but it's actually a pretty accurate way to describe how we can cheat on God. And we start to give other things in our life the first priority that belongs really only to God. How we elevate things, how we start to take things in our life and elevate them to the place in our life that really belongs to Jesus. And in the Bible, the Israelites, they were notorious for this. I mean, they would love God and they would follow God. They would have a season where they were just following God. And then they would wander off and they would start to to follow idols and false gods. In the book of Hosea, God actually compares Israel to an adulterous woman who constantly and habitually cheats on her husband. Like Israel, whenever we elevate someone or something in our life to the place where God should be, it's spiritual adultery. And it always spells destruction. Always. We'll always miss out on the greater things that God has for us. And I think Eve learned this lesson the hard way. Jumping back into this Adam and Eve creation story in Genesis 3 is where we're going to hang out today. Picking up in verse 1, here's what scripture tells us. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say that? And the woman said to the serpent, well, no, we we may eat fruit from all the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. We can have everything, but that one tree in the middle of the garden, we have to stay away from that. We must not touch it or you will die. In that one encounter, though, Eve begins to lose sight of God as the priority in her life. And she starts to elevate a piece of fruit to a position in her life that belongs to God. And we all know how that played out. So what is the truth for combating this challenge of spiritual adultery? Well, truth number one, if you're taking notes, is, is this. And it's pretty simple. Make God first. Make God first. Now, in our day and age, I doubt anyone in here is worshiping a piece of fruit or, or any other false god that the Israelites you know, had trouble with, the idols they struggled with. But that doesn't mean that we don't cheat on God and that we don't have idols in our own way. Like maybe it's that relationship in your life, that boyfriend or girlfriend, even our spouse can become an idol. When we take any person in our life and we lift them up and we exalt them to the position in our life that belongs to God, we're committing spiritual adultery. Your relationship with God must come first. It is the number one, it is the greatest relationship that you can have in your entire life. How about children? Over 20 years in pastoral ministry and and years as a counselor, I have seen countless parents have really unhealthy relationships and really an unhealthy worship of their children. Your number one relationship, again, in life should be God. But if you're married, your primary relationship after that, the greatest relationship you have with another human being, your number two in life, should be your spouse. Men, if it wasn't for your wife you wouldn't have your kids. And yes, your kids need to know that you love them, but they also need to know that you have a solid foundation as parents and that their mother comes first to you, that you have her back in life. Amen, women? Every month, uh, my wife and I, we, we try to do a date night. And every year, we try to go on at least one vacation together just as a couple by ourselves. And over the years, sometimes our kids would complain. Sometimes they would would gripe about it. But we continue to fight to be able to have that time to keep our marriage healthy because it allows us to be unified. It allows us to be better as parents. And when they grow up and when they leave the nest, we want our relationship to be solid and not to crumble like many couples who ignore themselves because they unhealthily prioritize their children Now, how about our career and appearance? How much do we value what other people think about us? I've met so many people who are afraid to step into the greater things and the greater plans that God has for them because they're worried about what other people might think. They're afraid to pray out loud because of what someone might think. They're afraid to serve because of what they might be asked to do or how it might look. Let me just say this briefly. When you get in the presence of God, you can't help but want to serve other people because you recognize who God is. That's why one of our core values here at our church is that saved people serve people that saved people, serve people. And I find it weird that Christians all over this country can show up to church week after week after week, never serve God, but think they're doing him a favor just because they showed up to church. When you place God first, you can't help but want to use your life to serve other people. What about baptism? I've met so many people who are afraid to get baptized because of what people might think. Because of what mama might think. And I'm not talking about kids and teenagers. Students, we believe you should honor your mother and father. You should honor your parents. You should include them in important decisions in your life. In fact, we encourage every student who wants to get baptized to talk to their parents first. But I've seen people in their 40s and in their 50s afraid to get baptized and be obedient to God. Because they're worried about what mama will think. Really? Who's going to be first in your life? Mama or Jesus? Challenge number two, unbelief, unbelief. Many people struggle with unbelief. Maybe they had a bad experience in church in their past, and now when they think about God, it makes them angry or terrified. They think he's an angry God who's just going to zap them with a big cosmic lightning bolt whenever they screw up. Because all they heard maybe growing up in their home or at their church was judgment and condemnation. Judgment and condemnation. And who could possibly trust a big, scary God like that, right? I remember when I was a kid, my first experience in church was actually a bit of a traumatic one. There was this little Baptist church at the front of my neighborhood, and they were doing a vacation Bible school, and and a lot of my friends from the neighborhood were planning on going. And so I begged my parents to be able to go to this vacation Bible school. So here I was, this little Hindu Indian kid at a vacation Bible school. And, And what did I learn there? Did I learn about God's incredible love for me or Jesus wanting to be my friend forever? No, as like a six-year-old little kid, I got to hear a preacher shout at us that we were all going to burn in hell. And that sounded way spicier than my mom's chicken curry. And so I left there terrified of God and not trusting that he was good. And I think Eve might have been right there with me as the serpent starts to whisper these lies into her ear and started to paint a picture of God as kind of a shady character who didn't care about her, who was holding out on her of something greater. Genesis 3, picking up in verse 4, You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. For all the days of our life, church, Satan wants to whisper lies into our ear provoking us, and baiting us into questioning the character of our God. Because he knows that if we question God's character, we'll be less likely to trust God. And we're going to fall for the challenge, the obstacle of unbelief. And we're going to miss out on the greater things, the greater plans that God has for us. So how do we combat the obstacle of unbelief? Well, truth number two is this. We listen to God's word. We listen to God's word. If we want to become all God wants us to be, we need to be willing to listen to God's word. As a pastor, uh, people often come up to me with random spiritual questions. And one of the questions that I've often got asked is, Pastor, how do you hear from God? And my question usually in return is that if you're a follower of Jesus, how do you not hear from God? Seriously. Because according to the scripture, God is speaking to us. The problem with many of us is that we don't anticipate and eagerly expect God to be speaking to us. The problem is not usually God's voice. It's often our ears. Are you expecting to hear from God in your life? Are you eagerly anticipating his voice? See, we know how to anticipate lots of things in life. There's a new movie coming out. We're excited about it. We're anticipating it. You know, I've told you guys this before, but when I go to Texas Roadhouse, I'm anticipating some cinnamon honey butter rolls, okay? Praise Jesus. I can get spiritual talking about them rolls. But when you go to church each week, are you eagerly anticipating that God is going to speak to you that morning? By the way, it's also hard to experience God if you regularly show up 10 minutes late and you get up and leave in the middle of a service. Like, you wouldn't do that in a movie, right? Only to the Almighty. And we say, God doesn't speak to me, but then we rarely ever crack open our Bible and read our Bible or spend time in, a, in our daily devotions or, or pray or connect in a small group community with some other believers to start doing life together or serve as we talked about. See, God is always speaking. We just have to be ready to listen. And where there's no anticipation, there is seldom going to be any revelation Where there is no anticipation, there is seldom revelation. That's good preaching. Someone should write that down. God wants to speak to you. See, I don't know a single good parent who doesn't want to communicate with their kids. And God isn't just a good parent. He's the perfect parent. For some of us, he's the parent that many of us dreamed and wished that we had growing up as a kid. But he's here. He loves us. He's our perfect parent. He wants great things for you and your life. Look at Eve, check this out, as she starts to, to doubt God because of Satan's lies, uh, as she's going through that process, th- just think about all the things that God has done for her. I mean, he, he's given her the world, right? Like he literally gave her the world. He gave her a husband who loves her. He has met every need, and yet she still struggles to believe the best about him. She starts to think he's holding out on her. He's met every need. And yet she struggles. When we lose sight of God's word, we can easily fall for lies into unbelief. And we can miss out on the greater things that God has planned for us. Challenge number three, impatience. Impatience. The reason many of us get impatient with God is because we don't like it when he doesn't do exactly what we want the way we want him to do it. We don't imagine God as holy and righteous, and all-powerful. Now, in fact, we often imagine God as our servant or some kind of cosmic vending machine who's there to give us everything we want. And every morning when we get up, we just want him to serve us. We want him to say, good day, sir. Good day, miss. What can I do for you today? And we're like, well, you better keep me safe. The world is crazy right now if you didn't realize it, God. You need to keep my family safe. You need to help me pass this test in school that I didn't study for. You need to keep my crazy child calm with this Benadryl. You need to get rid of my boss. You need to keep my car running. You need to give me a happy life. And I think this is a trap that Eve fell for, picking up in verse 6. It says, when, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband. What are the next four words there, church? Say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Who was with her, right? We we mentioned this earlier. Adam was not some innocent bystander. He's right there when all this is going down. He was with her, and he ate it too. He falls for the same trap. They saw something. It looked good. They took it. They ate it. God's holding out on us. And that's what we often do in life. We see something, we want it, we go after it. But let's just be honest today. We love life as long as God is doing exactly what we want him to do. But you let God go against your will and you watch how angry you get. You watch how angry you get with God because he didn't do things the way you wanted. Or in your timetable. So in our mind, we believe God doesn't care. Or that it's too late for him to move. So how do we avoid falling you know, for this trap of impatience? Truth number three is this, we trust in God's timing. We trust in God's timing. You want to become someone who God wants you to be? You, you want to unlock the incredible blessings of God in your life? Then be obedient to God and have trust in his timing. I'm going to say it again. I've said it throughout this series, but there are some of you in this room or who are watching online at home this morning, and you need to break up with that crumb in your life right now that you're in a relationship with. Because in your heart of hearts, you know it's not good. You know it's not healthy. You know it's not of God. You are settling for something less because you're not waiting on God's timing in your life. And it's hard to wait. I get it. I get it. There are periods of loneliness and emptiness. But what you need to understand is that there is a purpose even in those seasons of life. There's a purpose in the wait. And often the loneliness is meant to drive us to a relationship with God. And the wait is meant to grow our relationship with him. Many singles view time as their enemy in life. i got to hurry up and get married. i got to hurry up and have a baby. Time is not the enemy. Trust in God. There's purpose in the wait. Last one, challenge number four, brokenness. Brokenness. All of us have things in us that are broken. I'm broken. You're broken. None of us are perfect. We say that all the time here. There are no perfect people here. We all have baggage. We all carry scars. But many people refuse to admit that they have problems. And so they they put on a disguise, especially at church, And they pretend that their life is just perfect when in actuality, it's falling apart behind the scenes. Let me push a little harder on this. Here's a scary thought. There are going to be many women and men who spend eternity in hell because of pride. I've heard many people over the years say, I know I need Jesus. But my friends and my family, they think I'm already a Christian. So what would they say if I raised my hand and made a decision to accept Christ What would they say? They would be shocked when they realize I haven't been a Christian. Let me tell you what they'll say. They will say, thank God we found out now and not when we were standing in front of Jesus. Pride can destroy us. And brokenness can also lead to incredible bitterness. Incredible, incredible bitterness. Have you ever met a bitter woman? Men, don't raise your hand right now. I'm trying to protect you so you don't get hurt this morning, okay? But some women get bitter. He walked out on you. He betrayed you. You got hurt. And guess what? You have a right to be angry. But if you continue to allow bitterness to dominate your mind and dominate your heart, it's going to destroy you, not him. Don't get caught in the trap of bitterness. And here's a terrifying statistic, terrifying for me as a father of daughters. One in three women are the victim of abuse. In our American society, one in three women are the victim of abuse. And if that's you here today, you need to know something. It is not your fault. A sin was perpetrated, but it wasn't perpetrated by you. It was perpetrated against you. And some of you are holding on to bitterness and anger, partly because you blame yourself. Look at me right now. It was not your fault. But if you don't release that bitterness from your heart, it may kill you. And let me tell you today, you're not alone. There are other women in this church who have been right there, and it left scars. And they had to work through those scars. But they'd be the first to tell you, talk to someone. Get help. There's healing. And there's hope. And your church is here for you. We would love to find you some help to help you get some healing. Today we're going to end by looking at an encounter that Jesus had with a woman who was struggling with brokenness. And this account is found in the book of Luke, chapter 7, starting in verse 11. And it says this. It says, soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother... And she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. This woman had faced a hard life. The scriptures tell us that she was a widow. And now her only son had died as well. And she was broken. She was without hope. But in this passage, we also find an incredible truth. You see, Jesus saw her brokenness. And the passage says that his heart went out to her. His heart broke for her. And he said, don't cry. And here's the incredible truth to combat the challenge of brokenness. Truth number four, you need to know that God sees and that God cares. That God sees and that God cares. God sees what's going on in your life. He knows your history. He knows your past. He knows everything about you. But more than all of that, He actually cares. He cares about your life, and he cares about your future. Now look at what Jesus does in this last passage that we're going to unpack today, picking up in verse 14. Then he went up, and he he touched the, the buyer they were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. So God says to each of us today, stop looking at your circumstances and start looking towards me. Nothing is too hard for me. I'm the God who can't be contained. I'm the God who can't be boxed in. He's telling you today, he's bigger. He's bigger than your busted up relationship. He's bigger than your troubled kid. He's bigger than the cancer in your body. He's bigger than whatever problem you're facing. Nothing is impossible for our God. He's the God that can even bring dead things back to life. And he provides healing for your brokenness. And my prayer throughout this series has been that the men and women in this church would not feel condemned by these messages, but that you would feel encouraged, that you would have hope. And I'm aware there's several listening today, and you're in some very unique and some painful circumstances. But what I want you to realize is the size of your problem will never trump the size of your God. It never will. Oftentimes, we want to reduce God to the size of our problems. And there might be someone here today ready to give up on a marriage, ready to give up on a kid that's wandered away, maybe even give up on life. But if there's one thing I want you to hear from today's message, church, it's this, that your best days are not behind you. They're ahead of you. And God has a plan for your life that would blow your mind. He is not finished with you yet. I don't care if you're 14 or 94 in the room today. God is not finished with you yet. So here's my closing question to all of you today. What is God calling you to do with that? What's God calling you to do? What what is he speaking to your heart? You want to experience a greater life? One thing I know, God's word tells us that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. God is not finished with you yet. Your best days are not behind you. They're in front of you. So don't you dare give up on the God who has never, ever given up on you. Today, church, as we end this service, We're going to be offering communion here at our church. We recognize two sacraments, commands by our Lord Jesus to his followers. One is baptism, which we talked about a little bit earlier. It is the public declaration of a believer that they are a follower of Christ. It's that next big step after a person puts their faith in Jesus. It's an an outward expression of an inward change. The other sacrament is communion. It's the taking of bread and wine by followers of Jesus in remembrance and in gratitude to his sacrifice. At our church, we believe in an open communion that anyone here who acknowledges Jesus as their Savior is welcome to participate. And I just want you to know, if you're new to this whole Christianity thing, you're still trying to figure out what you believe, we are so, so glad that you're here today. But please don't feel pressured that you have to take part. But if you would like to participate, if you acknowledge Jesus as your Savior, even if you just made that decision in this moment, you said, yes, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you in my life. Even if you made that decision right now, we invite you to participate. Those of you who are watching online right now, I want you to know you can participate as well. You can take that magic little button and hit pause on YouTube and you can go and you can grab, you know, some juice or something to drink, a cracker or some bread, and then you can join with us, Okay. Let's pray together. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, who out of your grace and mercy and love gave your only son Jesus to suffer death upon the cross willingly to save us from all of our sins. God, we thank you and we are forever grateful. We're reminded that on the same night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he took the bread And when he had had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. May the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is broken for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you. Likewise, he took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, This cup is the covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. May the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you. Let's continue to pray With heads bowed and eyes closed I want to ask you some questions This morning Are you placing God First in your life Be honest with yourself Think about that Does he truly have first place in your life Are you spending time in his word Are you coming to church Each week are you getting into your devotion time In your prayer life Anticipating Excited to hear what he wants to share with you? Are you trusting in God's timing? Do you know that he sees your life and that he really cares? Today, I believe you're here for a purpose. Whether you're live in attendance or watching online, God wants you to know that your best days are not behind you. They're ahead of you. That the God of this universe, the God who created you, Man, he has incredible plans for your life. We thank you, God, for loving us like that and inviting us to step out of the smaller story of us into the greater story of you. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. As we continue to remember what Jesus has done for us and who he is, let's stand and continue to sing and celebrate together, church. You are the God who loves us. You're the God who cares for us. You're the God who who sees everything about our lives and you care. You love us. God, help us today to to just be able to gather wisdom from what we've heard, from the story of of Adam and Eve and the story of the, the broken woman. Father God, may we be able to take the truth from that and actually live it out, apply it into our lives so that we can be changed. So that we can can move from the smaller story of us to the greater story that you have for us, for our future, for our eternity. Help us to never forget the incredible truth that our best days are not behind us. They're ahead of us. We love you. Thank you for being the incredible God who offers us a hope and a future that would blow our minds. We love you. And we praise you and we pray all these things today in your son's name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. I hope you have an awesome week. Can't wait to see you back next week in part six of Adam and Eve. Remember out in the lobby, uh, you can find Ellen or you can find Zahira, and they're gonna uh, hook you up with uh, stuff about the Victory Garden or information about life essentials. God bless.
1: who the sun sets free